Hello, hello, Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick with me and with you for the next three hours. It is deadline day and the Leafs Nation guys are here to walk you through it. Now, Gord, there's been moves happening today. We we expect, we, we hope there will be more trades coming throughout the afternoon. But we've got to look back at the work the Leafs did yesterday to start the show. Of course, the big name coming in, Mark Giordano, along with Colin Blackwell, Travis Dermott going out to Vancouver. Uh, we, we should probably start with the, Gio, uh, the Giordano end of that trade. Uh, you know, I know we had our, our quick reaction podcast yesterday. Have you had a chance now that you've had a chance to marinate on it a little longer? What do you make of the Leafs moves? Oh, I said everything yesterday. I'm oh, okay. still with that. Yeah, okay. no, we'll I, just uh, run back that was... tape. Lance, go get that. We'll run it back again. <laughs> it was uh, first the Atlantic, the Atlantic Division. You wonder if you're going to get left out mm-hmm. with all the other moves that were going on, all the other contenders. And I, Colin Blackwell, um, talking to people around the New York area. I know he's from Seattle mm-hmm. in Seattle, but just the way he played with the Rangers. A useful upgrade about the fourth line. I mean, it was something they needed to address. And then Mark Giordano. I mean, I, I liked him better than, say, Justin Braun or some of the options mm-hmm. that were out there. We've talked about you and I at the Seattle-Toronto game, the one time, uh, first time Seattle ever visited, and post-game, the amount of friends and family mm-hmm. from Giordano, all wearing Seattle Kraken Giordano jerseys. And you really realize, yeah... He's from here. You think of him with Calgary and the and so and Russia. Uh, yes, yes, that's right. So yeah, that's right. So anyway, he's thrilled to come here. I know last year uh, the Nick Foligno situation, which Leafs paid more, didn't work out. Uh, I think it's easier for a D to assimilate himself, particularly a veteran. And of course, you got to stay healthy. Nick mm-hmm. Foligno wasn't healthy, but uh, I like it. And with Ilya Labushkin, I mean, those were the two facets that needed to be addressed. They decided that they'll go with the goaltending as is. I don't think Harry Sateri gets anybody excited, but uh, they don't want Peter Mrazek. And no, uh, by, by him being put on waivers yesterday, just confirmed what Sheldon Keefe had appeared to confirm weeks ago, that he wasn't his guy, and I think management took a little longer to convince. Yeah, we, we've, we've kind of been through this a few times now with local boy comes home. You know, of course, we, we go back to John Tavares. That's the, that was the kind of start of all this, but it was just funny seeing the quotes from Giordano yesterday. He's, get asked, he's getting asked about Spezza. They're pretty much the same age, and he had a funny little comment about, oh, I don't want to talk. I don't want to say any more good things about that guy. My whole life, people have been asking me how good he is, and it's just, it is so many players from from kind of the same age range, too. Like, we think of the young core of this team, and I don't know that you can call them the core when they're all over 35 years old, but Wayne Simmons, Mark Giordano, Jason Spezza, like, these are all guys who have been around the same orbit of one another for the last, you know, 20 years or so. So I think some of that camaraderie can kind of help. In terms of what you get on the ice from the player, I, I think we all look at, oh, man, 2019 Norris Trophy winner? That wasn't that long ago. Okay, let's settle down a little. It's not the Norris Trophy guy. I think this is a player who is going to help immensely. You know, I was looking, uh, Mike Kelly did a wonderful breakdown, just kind of looking at the strengths of the player. No weaknesses, which I loved him not throwing any in there. And it was, he can make a good breakout pass. He absolutely kills a cycle when it when it's going. And he doesn't turn the puck over. And if you're going to tell me I get a defenseman that just does those three things, sure, there can be warts, but those have been areas that have really hurt the Leafs. Like the... The times we we talk a lot about, ooh, how do they defend off the rush? And yes, that's a bit of a problem. But I think the times the Leafs have kind of gotten killed, and when the goaltendings come back to bite them, is when you have those cycle plays that the the other team is just able to drive and drive and drive. And if you have a guy like Giordano who's going to come in, and you know maybe he's with Brody, maybe he's with Hall, maybe he's with Labushkin. Like I think there's a lot of different ways this can go. 
whatever one of those three guys or possibly whoever else he ends up playing with, I think the fact that you have a guy who does all that quiet stuff, if it's a younger player like Lilligren even who who finds himself alongside him, okay, that opens him up to maybe make a little more of a mistake and a guy like Giordano can, can cover up for it. So, uh, you know, in terms of a fit on the ice, you love it in the dressing room, but in terms of what he gives you on the ice, I think it's it's kind of just what the doctor ordered for this well, team. Well, and the assumption is he'll play with TJ Brody. Now, who knows that, but they have the history out of Calgary, so that seems logical. And now that frees up Morgan Riley. And and again, when you go in the playoffs, uh, you, you can you can knock it down to four or five D. I mm-hmm. mean, you could do that, and he would be one. Of, and so would Labushkin be one of those four or five D if you have to cover for the inexperience of Lilligren in particular and Sandine as well. Yep. You know, but I uh, but we've we said all along they they've done they've they've gone they've rolled the dice with their forwards i mean that's set uh that's the way they're going you see boston now signing Hampus lindholm to go with charlie mcavoy you know there there's more of a commitment on d there in tampa bay victor hedman and company but so that's why this needed to be upgraded this needed to be upgraded and you know quite frankly last year uh, you know i was hoping it would get upgraded as well like you know playoff style especially uh you you don't you don't really have the stud you don't have the Victor Hedman type, but you've got uh, a real good one in Morgan Riley and in, in TJ Brody. And, you know, Giordano, if he can come where anywhere close to what he was three years ago or two years ago, you have that as well. I just like, say, unlike Travis Hamannick, who appears, <laughs> appears he stunned Ottawa, uh, Ottawa traded for him. And uh, it has been begging to get to get to the, uh, the, the West Coast his entire yeah, NHL career. Yeah. He's finally there. And then the so, Sens say, get yeah. over here. And it sounded like his agent said, we didn't really understand why <laughs> Ottawa traded for him. That's never a good sign. But just, you know, Giordano is just so thrilled to come. So thrilled to come. And, and again, I go to Blackwell, just about, mm-hmm. you need these pieces. And particularly if you're going to go deeper. I mean, if you get, hey, it's a disaster if they don't win the first round. It's not going to be easy to win the nope. first round. But it's a disaster if they don't win the first round and, and he gives you a, another kind of spice uh, as far as the forwards go yeah i know i know some people are are looking at are, are are looking at the leafs decor and they say oh you love getting a body in there like giordano but if you kind of stack it up and okay we can quibble with the order but let's put morgan riley at the absolute top of the top of the leafs kind of pecking order there you've got morgan riley at the top of it and then i think you have tj brody right right behind him they're both left shots you now bring in a guy like giordano he is a left shot. You really like Rasmus Sandin. He is a left shot. Jake Muzzin, we hope he can come back and play for this team. He is a left shot. Now, Labushkin, he is a righty. You have Justin Hall, who's a righty. You have Timothy Lilligren. It's not like you don't have those those options for uh, for this guy, but the, the fact of the matter is, is just that you, you pretty much all of your best defensemen shoot with the left hand, and I don't think that is something that can't happen, but it's definitely something to kind of keep an eye on, and I, I am just seeing a trade come in now, so I'm going to mention this, and this is the fun of doing these deadline day shows. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the Leafs kind of goaltending. Uh, it is, and Capo Kakinen was a guy who wasn't out there until the Wild traded for Marc-Andre Fleury uh, a couple hours ago, or within the hour, and now Capo Kakinen uh, will not be a Leaf. He is uh, He's going to be on his way uh, elsewhere, so so that, that's something to keep in mind with because, you know, with Leafs goaltending, uh, he goes to the Sharks. So it's Capo Kakinen to the Sharks for Jacob Middleton. He was another defenseman that was kind of rumored for the Leafs. So it is funny that, you know, I think with the Giordano move, that kind of took some of the the interest in, in a guy like Middleton uh, away. But two guys that the Leafs potentially could have been in on getting dealt for one another in, in Capo Kakinen and uh, Jacob Middleton there. So Sharks are, you know, it's interesting. Sharks did sign Thomas Hurdle, so they took him off. Yep. Last week, you signed an eight-year extension, but they are sellers. And um, Kakinen, along with Cam Talbot, uh, had been a, 
a solid goaltending duo in Minnesota, but of late. Until. Yeah, of oh, late what, there's what, been Gord, some slippage. Where have we seen this before? I know, I know. And that's where there's talk about, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury. Could he now end up with Minnesota? you got to think, like Chicago now, again, Marc-Andre Fleury has no trade, so he controls it. But if you're Chicago, just like if you're Seattle with Giordano, you don't want to be left holding the bag. You're not going to be in the playoffs. You're going to get zilch for these guys in the offseason. So, you know, even a... Even a six-round pick, you know, which certainly Seattle did a lot better with Giordano. Mm-hmm. It's funny, the one trade earlier this morning, man, I've ne- uh, Nathan Bollier to Pittsburgh from Winnipeg. <laughs> I, I'm so happy you brought this up. These are these are maybe my favorite conditions I've ever seen placed on a player. Like, like there's no way they're going to get that seventh-round pick. This if is Nathan a- Bollier turns into Wayne Gretzky, then you get the seventh-rounder yeah, effectively. and if you make it to the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> they really wanted him out of Winnipeg. Yeah, I don't know you wonder what the story is there, because usually conditional is something something simpler. But anyway, there you go, Kaka and be traded. So we have a goaltender. Finally, it wasn't the ones we were thinking about. You know, Varlamov or Flurry. that still may happen. Or, hey, Georgiev for the Rangers because they're not going to be able to qualify him. I know he's an RFA at the end of the season, but they're going to have trouble qualifying him at the figure they need to. So so the Flurry trade has happened. I'm going off of our, our Sportsnet trade tracker here. So it's Flurry uh, to, to the Wild for a conditional draft pick. We're still trying to figure out what those uh, conditions are. That's always a fun game. You see conditional draft pick, and it's a conditional second that can turn into a first, or it's a third that can turn into a first, or something along those lines. Uh, we will see what happens there. And yeah, I mean, we're going to we're gonna be talking least. We're going to be mixing it in all day. But hey, uh, trades come and happen on death. Deadline day, we're, we're definitely going to get to him there. Uh, another team in the East picking up a player. Uh, once again, it's the Kraken making a trade. Marcus Johansson, he goes to the Capitals. It's Daniel Sprong, a fourth-round pick and a sixth-round pick going to the Capitals. This isn't an earth-shattering move. We, we've already kind of seen the earth-shattering deadline day moves. They were made ahead of time, but this is what a team like Washington does. They've won. Ovechkin is there. They're in the thick of it. This is what you do. You, get, you, you move on a bit of a younger player. You throw some late draft cap at the wall to try to improve yourself. I, I like that deal for the for the Capitals. Yeah, yeah, and again, we talk about Seattle are just getting all futures. You know, R- Ron Francis uh, didn't, and I think everyone took a breath and said, you know what, you can't do Vegas again. You know, we were a little hard on him at the start, weren't we? Well, the, the goaltending was a little hard on him. That that, that was it. They expected better goaltending, so they're playing a bit better now. But it was a disappointing year, I think you have to say, all in all, in Seattle. So now. Like, where's Arizona now? Because Seattle's taking all these draft picks. I mean, mm-hmm. that's now, no, maybe Arizona, aside from Phil Kessel, again, he's another one you got to trade because his contract's up and, uh, and you're going to get nothing for him at the end of it all. So maybe they've decided they're going to sit with you. I wonder if they met sometime and someone said, you know, we have to have players. We can't just have 87 <laughs> draft picks because, uh, first of all, uh, uh, who's going to pan out? Well, they probably, they take? probably, when they move, when they're, they know they're going to the, uh, the ASU arena next year, they're like, can we just not take those guys? They could just come and play. Why don't yeah, we just yeah. do that? So, <laughs> so, and, and so anyway, we got a little bit, but yeah, Seattle is a, a big time seller. And, and Brent, what Washington did, I like, you think about Boston when they added guys like Charlie Coyle and mm-hmm. they always, they always had a good player or two up front. And now you're seeing it again with Tampa Bay, basically reinventing the Blake Coleman, Barkley, Goodrow kind of third line. Like Boston yep. would get someone maybe with a little bit more jam, but you know, just, just all those kinds of things. And, and you're right. Washington's doing the same type of thing that you, the depth in the playoffs on your forward line is huge. You, you know, you can't have the, the gap between first line to second line and third line. Well, and a guy like Marcus Johansson, he feels exactly like the type of guy that you, you know, let's, I don't think, I, I personally don't think this is going to happen, but hey, let's say the Capitals go on a big, long run and they make it to a conference final or something. You would look at Johansson's numbers and you'd go, 
eh, okay, five goals or six goals out that run. But I guarantee you four of them would come in one series because it always seems to be that way in the playoffs that your depth guys just kind of pop. And yeah, of course, look, getting back to the Leafs, if they win a playoff series, finally, 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 if that happens, of course, it's because Austin Matthews is dominant. Of course, it's because Mitch Marner continues to dazzle. But it's also because somebody... Maybe it's Rasmus Sandin. Maybe, maybe it's Colin Blackwell. Who knows? Somebody will have a much better series than you expect them to. That almost always happens for any kind of first-time cup team. You know, you look at the Lightning. Think about a guy like Anthony Sorelli, who, yeah, all the hockey nerds have loved him forever. But you look at, at the type of player he was during during that cup run. You you mentioned a guy like Coleman. Hadn't done it before. It's just that's that's the kind of guys you need. So you want to put players in a position to succeed, but you also need somebody to kind of exceed expectations. And I don't know, when I look at the Leafs, like I don't want to put too much pressure on one guy. It feels like Sandine is the most obvious candidate for me it feels like he's been right there ready to make a leap and I think the fact that and I know I'm all over the place here but I'm trying to put the roster together in my head but I think the fact that you bring in Giordano and potentially Sandine's minutes are a little bit easier now and it just allows that player to continue to grow and that's the kind of thing I'm I'm looking at with the Leafs is who's that guy who's going to exceed expectations well you, you know you're you're helping the person swim in whatever end of the pool they should be swimming in so you're all of a sudden you know being able to be uh you know, picking against weaker opponents and less less ice time in that, so that that gives you that flexibility. So I'm thinking now. Here's here's my prediction: mm. the Leafs win the first round in Game Seven. Okay, two well, nothing. It won't it won't happen any other way. It would have yeah, to be. And uh, Labushkin and Giordano score, <laughs> and Harry Sateri has the shutout <laughs> in his first ever start. How about that? I mean, I'll, that? I'm, I will. I'm, I'm getting caught up. I think a little bit in the. Uh, trade frenzy. Gord, you know me. I'll sign uh, if you're the starting goalie and they win game seven, I'll sign up. Any any well, result. Then, then and, there's issues. Well, okay. no, here's the thing. Any result that ends with Leafs winning the final game of a playoff series, I'm signing up for. I don't I don't care what it takes to get there because it's been way, way, way too long. I'm an adult. I have a child. I've not been able to watch this team win a playoff series at an establishment that serves refreshments. It is it is nuts that it's been so, so long. And, you know, I guess it's as good a point as any to, to talk about the goaltending with this team. Uh, obviously, Capo Kakinen not going to be that guy. He's on the move. Marc-Andre Fleury not going to be that guy. As more and more players move, I start to wonder... Is there any options out there? It it does feel to me like if there was a, you know, last year they made the move for David Riddich. I bet they would love to make that trade right now. Just a stopgap kind of guy who can come in and Riddich only played a couple of games, but they'd love to make that move. I just don't feel like that's, that guy is out there. And it's so tough to go into a playoffs rolling the dice on your goaltending because as much as you've loved Jack Campbell this year, he's coming off a rib injury. He had a terrible two months. I, I think we all think he can bounce back, but you never know with a guy who has his limited track record. And that's the scary thing heading past the deadline with this team is, yeah, I, I think this is as good a forward group as they built. The blue line is so much better than I would have expected it to be. But it feels like you're looking at one or two softies a night with the way the goaltending has been going lately. And you can't have that. Yeah. And, and Vegas in the same boat with Robin Leonard to some degree. I mean, the mm-hmm. concerns about the health, you know, just wanted to go back up a bit, boy, Minnesota, like it's all been fun this year that Bill Guerin made a bold move, wanted to change the complexion of the dressing room. So, and he was getting all kinds of accolades for it. I mean, Ryan Suter was a shocking buyout and Zach Parise, not so much. And then because the cap world is so convoluted, it's it's relatively a bargain this year. But $8 million next year and then $10 million the following year, 
get added to the cap. Like just we, we the, think the Leafs have trouble. At least they're spending their cap on players. Well, and, and that's what one reason they're going for Marc Andre Fleury yep. is all of a sudden they're looking that you know they have to be in and now because they're going to have some some cap problems when it's all said and done. So that's why they made the trade there. Uh, the goaltending for the Leafs, I think Eric Schalgren kind of showed that uh, there's a there's another option. There's another option they're willing to try in the play. They still have Joe Wall as well. I mean, these aren't options to win a Stanley Cup based mm-hmm. on their record. But, you know, you like you think about Matt Murray coming. Now, Matt Murray had a great pedigree in the American Hockey yep. League before uh, he won cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins. But, you know, he was untested at the NHL level. And, and you know, they they won the Stanley Cup. So, But you're kind of hoping now. That's what you're kind of hoping. And the, and the big thing is hopefully Jack Campbell's healthy. And can he get back? It's not just how he played the first half of the season. It's how he's really played ever since he came here mm-hmm. until yeah. the last, until the most important part <laughs> you know, uh, of late. Yeah, he was, he was great until the game started to, to really, really matter. And, man, it's, unfortunately, that's been the story of Leafs goaltending. That's not a Jack Campbell thing. We can go back to Freddie Anderson. How many times do we sit there and say, oh, if you're going to get this guy in the playoffs, this team's going to be fine. And then you got that guy for all but one shot a game. It just felt like there was always the one that, oh, God, he wish he could have that back. And you, you can have that happen once or twice throughout a playoffs, okay. But when it's happening two, three, four times in a series, that's, that's when you end up having the problems. You know, in, in terms of the forward group, I do want to jump back there for a second. You know, Colin Blackwell, he's a guy who I think, I think we're all kind of going into this with proper expectations of, fourth line energy guy who knows maybe Mikheyev gets a bump up to the top six and he kind of finds a role on that on that camp line being that energy guy I you know I know you've talked to people about his time in New York my understanding is the guy he played with most there or at least one of his most common line mates was Artemi Panarin like this isn't a guy who is only used in that role I still think the Leafs are better off finding somebody else other than him but I also feel like they've tried pretty much every winger they have on that left side with Tavares. I don't know that it's nuts that they give him a sniff there. I'm not saying that's where they see him fitting in, but I do wonder if he, and again, I'm not saying to start, but I do wonder if, if he gets a look with Tavares and Nylander or maybe Tavares and Marner if they eventually flip the wingers. Well, a few years ago uh, when they were doing the teardown, they had a guy, Mason Raymond, had a real strong year. I like that he could play on every line. He could fly. And, and, but he can play, and, and that's kind of what Blackwell is. So, I mean, you're not necessarily targeting him for the first line but he can he can play on every line and i i mentioned you know i'm not going to go way 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 back but i go back to the pat quinn era that i remember need, that so that's not that yeah, far but they need a gary volk they did like gary volk just had a stroll like you don't even we can't even think of people that had strong playoffs the last few years nope. like it's not even like one name comes out like yeah you know that that guy really rose his game for the playoffs, and, 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 and that's, why, that's why every year the script's been the same. So it's not just Matthews, Marner, and the Tavares and the big guns you need. You know, you need all these teams, like what the St. Louis Blues had a few years ago when, when, when they won it all. It wasn't just Ryan O'Reilly. It's just different. And, and Craig Berube would tinker a bit, move some guys in and out, and it, it always seemed to work. And, you know, you know that's what you need. And, and, and Blackwell gives you another spice in that direction. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. And you need guys who can kind of play slightly different styles of game. You know, I think I think the Leafs are starting to cultivate some of those guys. Like Ilya Mikheyev, a guy I just mentioned. You know, he, it feels like he either scores no goals in a month or 10 goals in a month. So maybe you want to get him at the right time when you're bumping him up into your top six. But the way he plays, he doesn't try to, he, he is not, he doesn't try to, 
extend himself as a player. He is exactly who he is. He is straight lines. He is going to skate fast, and he's going to shoot the puck the second he gets a chance to. But you throw him on that checking line, he also was a really responsible player. So I think, and again, I, I was really hard on this guy early on in his Leafs tem- tenure. Pierre Engvall continued to carve out a role and just kept carving it out to the point that it was, you know, even early on in the season when he was playing okay, it was still okay. Well, nothing's promised here. Nick Robertson's poking around. We've seen this with Engvall before. This is far and away the longest stretch of hockey we've seen in his time as a Leaf where you're really, really confident with what that guy can give you. That's a good name. Like before, it was just great posture. I always loved his posture. <laughs> Long but, neck. Then, but then you kind of go, what are you? Like, you know, because to your point, you know what Mikheyev is, as you mentioned, very, very streaky. He'll get 10 breakaways a week. He'll miss all 10 <laughs> one week, and then the other week he'll score in three of them. And, uh, yeah, and Engvall's another another figure there. And and Wayne Simmons is still as a figure. Like, a lot of people are going, wow, did they just wait for him to get his 1,000th game, and he's going to be watching from the press box? I mean, that, that can happen, but, but you also know what he can bring. And Kyle Clifford, despite... Oh, there's still the inexcusable gaff on Saturday. <laughs> I like I like what Kyle Clifford can bring, and we we give him lots of props again because we don't remember anybody. We remember in the Columbus series he had that great hit, right? That's, that's right. That's how few and far between that highlights are. Yeah, we will always remember uh, three three things from the Columbus series. We will remember Kyle Clifford. We will remember Jason Spezza fighting Boone Jenner and Nick Robertson playing in it. We will; those are the things that will always yeah. stick out. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it'd be nice if we had some moments from you know guys a little higher up uh, on the depth chart because uh, that's what it's all going to kind of come down to. Uh, we talked about the guys the Leafs have uh, brought in, or that was yesterday in Giordano and, and Blackwell. The guy moving out, uh, Travis Dermott. It was a crowded blue line here to begin with, and I don't say that as a problem. You've said it. You, we've all. Said it. If you're going to be a team that goes on a long playoff run, you don't need seven defensemen. You need eight, you need nine, maybe you need 10. But even before you bring in a guy like Labushkin, even before you bring in a guy like Giordano, it felt like Dermott was having a, t- a hard time kind of getting his hooks into the lineup. I like him as a player, but he is a young defenseman who makes mistakes. I think he is somebody who we've all kind of circled, and when he makes a mistake, we all got to talk about it. Unfortunately, there's always a whipping boy, and I think that was him a bit here. I think this is a player who's going to have a fine NHL career. I think he's going to be in the league for a long time. He could skate, he can move, he can read things fairly well, he can make that first pass. All the other stuff is things, you know, you hope that can get ground out of his game by the time he is still, he's still able to skate like he is. And I, you know, I think Vancouver, that's a great gamble for them. A third round pick for a guy like Travis Dermott. That's perfect. And his time had just kind of run its course here. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to remember like why, the perception was that he really played strong when he started. Big injury. That's a tough injury. Mm-hmm. He was off a long time, and then he wasn't the coach's guy. And so to get, like, not to be on a, on a negative side on what's been a positive 24 hours for the Maple Leafs, what they did, but, again, you've got to be developing players from within. And all of a sudden, that stopped a bit. And a lot of it's you're trading draft picks mm-hmm. away. But, you know, from that, that, that heady year where you have, and granted, they were drafted high, but Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, at different times, were all the NHL Rookie of the Month. Imagine that. It's only like seven in total <laughs> and three. Like, I mean, you know, that, that's an NHL record that will never be touched. So they also give you entry-level salaries, which is huge. And on D, you had Stuart Percy was a first-round pick. Uh, you had, a, a, you know, this is a second-round pick in, in, in Dermot that's moving on. A high second-rounder, though. Yeah, right oh, there. very high. And, and Sean Dursey is a guy playing really well in L.A. now. He's a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. Now, you traded him for an asset. You traded him for Jake Muzzin, so... Uh, like I'm, I'm not being critical about that part, but he's not in, you know, in your roster, and you're hoping that Sandine and Lilligren can get to whatever next levels there are. I, I maybe because I like Sandine's personality so much, I'm really 
really big on him, but there's there's no question there still remain the growing pains. But this last twenty plus games, uh, they've got more veteran presence in there, and and you know maybe they can can grow in a more uh, in a more constructed, measured manner. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly what it is. You need guys to come and fill those slots on cheap entry level deals. You know they hope the players who are right there can do it. You know Matthew Matthew knees nice. I I can never remember which way to say it. They there's talk he might play this year, but you need those guys to start hitting. Sandine can't be a maybe. He has to be a for sure. And you hope Lilligren's kind of not far behind him there. We have got a jam-packed show today. Tons of guests in studio with us. We're not even always in studio, but we are today because it's deadline day. We're going to have some in-studio guests, including Jen Botterill. She'll join us next. Keep on listening on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leafs Nation here, special trade deadline day edition. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick, and our first, our most special guest, because you're first in studio, Jen Botterill joining us today. Jen, how's it going? It's going really well. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. So, what's, like, we are up here in our radio sweat lodge doing the show. We're trying to keep informed as best we can. What is it like down there in the palatial TV studios? You've got a million people working on deadline day. What is it like? What's it like? It's great to see everybody, and I think we all look forward to see what what's the news going to be of the day. So, I mean, I think for all of us, the flurry was the big one coming. Sure. through uh, so far but it's always a nice time to also reflect on on the season and the teams and think about what additions are going to to help everybody out so i think it's a a nice time for all of us to look back and see oh, where are some some key additions might uh, take place but i think flurry is the big news of the day so far yeah well, yeah heading to minnesota yeah just but it, isn't it a lot like waiting at an airport though and you just all <laughs> looking and you keep looking like is our flight coming oh flurry flurry's gone like whatever and everyone's looking around <laughs> looking around and please make something happen and, and kind of oh, like that definitely yeah well well, that's why we've got uh, the, the the full uh, crew in, right, for a lot of storytelling and 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 stuff. But uh, I, I think there has, you know, even leading up to this day, though, some big moves too. And you look at, I mean, the Leafs and then their division and a lot of moves around them too. So mm-hmm. uh, it was great to see them make a splash too yesterday. So let, let's start with the flurry move. Obviously, the Leafs, uh, he is not coming here. He is going some, somewhere mm-hmm. else. But this was a guy I think a lot of people, especially observers of the team, are looking at and going, okay, I mm-hmm. see how the goaltending's been going lately. I know what it's looked like for flurry this year in Chicago. This guy won the Vesna last year, and I've seen him do it in the playoffs before, which in this market, there's nobody here who we've ever seen do it before that's still playing in the league. It's been so long since this team has had playoff success. Mm-hmm. Now, there is some belief that Flurry was not interested in coming here, may have been tough to get on a wave to no move. Would you have been after a goalie like that, or do you think the Leafs are kind of making the smart play, rolling the dice with Jack Campbell and potentially somebody else? But- yeah, well, we saw some clips of Campbell back on the ice skating, and and so that's encouraging. And and I think for many, they're they're expressing, you know, certainly from the Leafs organization, they are expressing their confidence in him. And here's a guy who showed amazing form for the first few months of the season, and and so you make the argument I mean, for him a little time off the injury. Sometimes it can be really hard for a player, and that's some, a tough time off. But for him, maybe it's also great timing. A little change of pace, even though it's difficult, maybe he comes back even more refreshed uh, to be at his best. I mean, here's a guy you have to kind of root for him. He's got such a great personality. He's well-liked by all of his teammates, by people across the league. Um, so, yeah, I mean, goaltending has been a, a constant conversation, but I feel like here's a guy who showed his potential, and for him, can he find that form sooner than later? Boy, and then the mental part, and certainly from your dad and that, and mm-hmm. Justin Jen and Kelly Rudy will be here later about how important it is. And it's it's interesting because 
you know, it's good they made the decision on Peter Morazic because I was looking at the home crowd. Right now, they were looking Eric Schalgren be like one of our kids in goal. Like you, you were anytime <laughs> the puck was five yards away, you were cheering. Um, Peter Morazic oh, wasn't taking much, to, but Jack Campbell, they're with him. Mm-hmm. They're with him because what he's done and hoping, and everyone's just saying, "Hey, we have confidence in you. Can you get it back? Can you, mm-hmm. you know?" And and that's going to be. That's going to be the challenge, and hopefully he's up to it. And I think he is. You know, you look at at his careers had you know some ups and downs, but to, I think he's learned a lot from from those moments. And so, uh, you know, and Kelly Rudy's the first one to say, well, in the past maybe he was tough on himself, or a little too tough on himself. And so that's that's why if I look at this past you know little time off for him, that maybe it's just what he needed uh, to to find his groove and his rhythm again, and knowing you know how great he was early this season because you know that his team is behind him. The fans Fans are behind him, which can go a long way. Confidence is such a huge piece of this game. So I think those are small elements that can add to his potential success here down the road. I'm just yeah. going to say, because we, uh, you, you just, Brent and I kid about it. You have three daughters, and we said that Jack Campbell would be the perfect brother because he takes the blame for everything. everything. Don't you wish? Everything. Like, you know, at, at post-game, you know, always like that mm-hmm. smiling face. And meanwhile, you got Henrik Lundqvist that gives you glares yeah. like he's considered, you know, <laughs> and, and Jack Campbell, he couldn't be nicer and couldn't mm-hmm. be, uh, yeah. And that's probably why he's hard on himself, I think, about that he does sure. seem to take the blame for everything. Well, it's, I was going to say, it's also, though, a trait of a lot of high performers, that you have a high standard of excellence, and yeah. so you always want to constantly improve, and if you don't perform the way that you want to, but it's going to be a fine balance for Campbell or, or any other player, really, to say, okay, let's take be a team player and make sure that you take onus on on mistakes you made or, or things you would have liked to do better, but that's a fine balance between also maintaining that level of confidence that you need uh, and the trust in yourself to maintain that rhythm that you need as a player. I think the thing that he really has going for him kind of in that regard is whenever he comes back and, you know, with the rib injury and he's skating, that's great. Well, we'll see when that is, is unfortunately, well, fortunately for him, unfortunately for Peter Morazic, because of the way Morazic's season went and the fans turn on him. I mean, he mm-hmm. was getting the Bronx cheers. It was not a fun time for him in net there. The second Campbell comes back, he he makes a simple pad save in the first period. That place going to be rocking with soup chance. Like I think if there was a world where the fan base turned on him and he was the guy getting Bronx cheered, that maybe that could kind of worm its way in, for lack of a better term, especially with a guy who is so hard on himself. But I think the fact that it doesn't matter when he comes back. The second he's back in net there, you're going to be hearing the soup chance. And even if he lets in a bad one early, they're going to try to pick him up right after that. I, I feel like that has to help his kind of mentality whenever he comes back. I would say, right? It, it, he he continues to be, I mean, such a great storyline for that reason because of how he embraces that and, and loves a positive environment. And uh, I think for, for Toronto, where we've seen the run that he was on and, and how he embraced that so much. If you look at even the all-star break and some of the interviews and comments that he had then um here's a guy who's gonna thrive um in a situation where he's surrounded by positivity and support as well and so i think here's a team that's showing their confidence in him and and hopefully he responds really well to that now, okay, what's the, what's the skinny from you on Giordano and, and Blackwell as far as what the Leafs did yesterday? Yeah, well, great additions. Uh if you start with Giordano I mean, league-wide, right? There's just such a high level of respect for this guy, and he comes in. I mean, a great player on the ice. Uh, consistency is a big one for him. You know, I to- I spoke to Dave Haxtell, the coach of Seattle, just last week in Seattle, and he said his description was, you're not going to find a guy that's more determined 
in the league, right? Giordano, I mean, what a story for him. He was undrafted out of junior and has now played a thousand games uh, in the league. But I, I think for him, it's a nice balance. He's going to come in and he's, he admitted, he's, I'm going to be comfortable in this room. Um, and I think also with his leadership style that people have said, you know, he's not going to be vocal all the time, but he can recognize if something needs to be said, he has the experience to, to lean back on and, and to have an influence. And you think about the importance of defense uh, come playoff time. I think he'll be a huge addition. I mean, Blackwell, he's a good addition, too. If you think about energy and what he can bring uh, for Seattle, he brought in, even this month, he's had two shorthanded goals uh, on the PK, and he's another player. He missed a couple years of his college career with a concussion, has come back, I think, with a level, same thing, of, of resiliency. And so I think if if things aren't perfectly smooth, these are two guys that could be uh, sort of a bit of a, a grounding platform of, of being determined and resilient through moments and, and knowing what they they want to be a part of here they know it's the potential for something really special so whenever we hear the analysis on Giordano that always comes up a quiet leader this is a guy who holds people accountable but he's very quiet and you know we're all guessing inside a room you've actually been in one and I'd imagine on the teams you played on there were a lot of voices both big and small people who led by example and people who led by saying shut up I got something to say I, I want to lead I do wonder when we look at the Leafs and again we're all playing a bit of a guessing game there do you need that demonstrative loud leader because we think of john Tavares. i don't know that we think of him as a guy giving raw raw speeches you know we hear it from giordano who knows maybe he steps up when the time is needed but again a quiet leader type you know we look at matthews and we don't really know much about him in that regard like do you think a team kind of needs to have both or is it okay to just kind of have that quiet leadership follow me kind of mentality yeah if you look at the leadership picture, I think for many teams that are successful, it's more about a leadership group. Right. So not necessarily one guy. At times, you're going to want people to, to be vocal and bring that energy, but I think that can come from a variety of sources on a team. So if you look at the Leafs, they have a lot of different players with experience and maybe different leadership techniques or approaches that they use but i think if you look at a foundation what's your leadership group not mm-hmm. one or two guys but guys that can step up in different ways and i think even matthews you've seen his his intensity or or emotions in different situations this year that is sort of a display of leadership mm-hmm. in a different way and so i just think also giordano the recognition no he might not be the raw raw pat you on the back every day but what's his presence what's he going to say in key moments to elevate you so i think the timing for communication is perhaps even more essential and more important than how constantly vocal you are or, or sort of the cheerleader that you are but it's a balance right for each team i think that the one of the big balances is just like workplaces the right person talks at the right time mm-hmm. there's nothing That's why worse than i always person. stay quiet and just like yeah. Yeah. Do all the yeah. talking. <laughs> but you know it's an interesting dynamic i've liked austin matthews personality emerging I, i've mm-hmm. liked that he's comfortable and you know you know mitch marner still you feel like it's a it's a police officer pulling him over, and he answers yes, sir, yes, sir. I'm doing this, sir. You know, we're we're Austin kind of chilling, having a little bit of fun. I I I like that kind of confidence and that kind of growth. It, and you've seen that, right? I think yeah, that totally. he's been an evolution this year, yeah. and and in terms of certainly you know done more than exceeded his expectations for his play on the ice. But I think that's just uh, the development of a leader, and you know he's also a guy that is that is team first. It's not for him. It's not going to be about his personal accolades or, or what he's accomplished as an individual and so i think for him stepping up or or being vocal or you're seeing some 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 of his character come through in different situations whether it's on the bench during a game or whether it's in interviews and moments before or after the game uh i think it's great 
for, for Leafs fans, for, for fans of the game of hockey. I think he's a great personality for the game. And certainly he's just, uh, I mean, his performance on the ice has been special for everybody to follow. We, uh, we do have a little bit of breaking trade news here. Uh, Rangers acquiring Justin Braun from the Flyers. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I bring this up is because, Gord, that's been, we've, we've each had our guy circled. He was a guy for you. I know you've, uh, you've, yeah. been, you've been mentioning. And, hey, that's a good fit for the Rangers. Leafs did their lifting yesterday, but wanted to sneak that in. But I do want to stick on the Leafs, or do you want to? Oh, no, it's good. A lot of talk about the defenseman, right? He was sort of at the top of the list of yeah. defensemen to watch. So, I wonder if he was next. Like, he was the next level. And, and see, I think of it because he used to take my dad's uh, electric shaver into some <laughs> store in Scarborough. There's a shaving store there to get it fixed all the time. It's a bronze shaver. So, anyway, that's it. But, but uh, I, you know, it's funny. Who would think the Rangers and Flyers would trade with each yeah, other right. normally? That just shows the kind of season that the Philadelphia Flyers are, are mm-hmm. having. But the Rangers are a team in the playoffs with cap space. Go figure. Like, like they're about the only team that has cap space. Right. And you're at a, a defenseman of that caliber. Yeah. Uh, and so this is a team that wants to make a deep push. It's the uh, it's the reverse Leafs. It's like, okay, they have the goaltending figured out, and yep. we could use a little help everywhere else. It's kind of the uh, the yeah. exact inverse of what's going on uh, here in Toronto. We're talking about Matthews there, and we're talking to Jen Botterill here, uh, Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick with the Leafs Nation trade deadline edition. You know, talking about Matthews, obviously, he for me, he's the MVP. We can quibble, okay, like McKinnon, okay, that's fair. He is he is 1A if he is not the number one player in the game right now. He's been doing that with Mitch Marner on his wing. I think we all look at it and say, John Tavares could use a jump start. You, you, it's it's a simple it's a simple thing. They've done it before in the past. Just flip the wingers. They do seem hesitant to do that. The longer it goes on, I do wonder how much of that is about Matthews has a special season going. He's chasing a heart trophy. He's chasing 50, 60 goals, maybe, and you cannot take away his setup, man. Personally, for me, I think you need to kind of prioritize not team success in the regular season, but having the best version of your team heading into the playoffs. Do you think it's kind of individual accolades keeping those two together? Do you think it's just Sheldon Keefe saying, this team is the best when that line's together and I can figure out the the bottom nine beyond that. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's more about saying, look, you've got the best goal scorer in the league right now, so let's make sure we support him in the best way possible. And then the second part of the question would be, where's, where's our biggest impact going to be felt? And, and right now, your biggest impact is Austin Matthews. So, uh, you know, it, it's a great conversation because clearly Tavares played better when Marner was, mm-hmm. was playing with him, when, when Matthews was out for the couple of games. So, But that's the thing with Marner. He's going to make anybody better that he plays with. There's no doubt about that. Uh, it's a tough one because then you always know that if you – need a spark from Tavares in the playoffs you can make that switch but I also think there's an argument to be said I mean Matthews is just rolling the line with he and Bunting and Marner has been so special this year that you can see how there would be a little bit of hesitancy to break them up because of how many special moments they've had on the ice now moving around a little bit you mentioned your folks are in from Winnipeg and Winnipeg man what are they like what are they like like if if Kevin Shabeldayoff said uncle and you know what? We're going to rebuild. Like, he's got a lot of things he could see. He could be the fox in the hen house and going, yeah, let's talk Mark Shifley. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, three playoff runs and then two full years after. And I'm not saying they are tough, but I just mean, like, you know, so it's it's almost like, you know, I don't you wait to the offseason, but you could really make a lot of hay right now. I don't, I don't, I, it just seems like too much ground to make up. I agree with that. They, they're, uh, they remain one of, I think, the biggest surprises uh, for, for this season. If you look at their roster and, and how good people thought they could be, and they just never found any consistency uh, this season. And so, yeah, perhaps uh, 
an interesting decision. I mean, yes, they have a, a long shot to make the playoffs, but it's ex- an extremely difficult path for them to try to earn that spot. So one would say, you know, a lot of assets that you might want to ha- be a little more of a seller, but we, we haven't seen that to this point. I mean, they, they reacquired Appleton uh, back from Seattle. You're trying to go oh, with all the success they had in the past, that how key that third line was mm-hmm. to have those character guys there. Um, but yeah, we haven't seen a, a lot from Winnipeg yet. The Jets, yeah, just such an odd team. If I if I told you, I don't tell you what team it is. I say you've got a guy who you can consider a number one center, and you've got a guy who is an elite goalie. That's a good place to start, right? Yeah. And look at the way it's going. Like when you have those two pieces, it is so hard to say we need to retool, we need to blow this up to a certain extent. Because I don't know. I mean, number one D, of course, is right there, but those mm-hmm. are the hardest things you could possibly find in this game. Is a goalie that can stand on his head and a center that can play the way. Shifley has yeah it's just such an interesting interesting you know position that they find themselves in you know again jump, jumping around the league a lot of teams have made moves you know of course we're, we're bogged down here with the Leafs one mm-hmm. what has been your favorite move that's happened you know I know Boston goes and gets Lindholm mm-hmm. and the, the Lightning give up a couple of picks for Hagel maybe you love the Chicago side of that deal I don't know who's been your biggest winner so far yeah I mean uh, the ones that come to mind I mean I think Flurry was a big addition I think mm-hmm. for his experience in the game his, his success that he's had um, I I think for Minnesota is a big win. I really did like the Giordano uh, addition for Toronto. I think so, is a big one. No, you're not uh, just saying that. I'm not just saying that, okay. but I feel like he's a guy who's well-respected and very accomplished uh, across the league, right, for what he brings. But I also think Tampa Bay has, has made some big moves, and credit to them. I mean, they're a team that believes they can win a third here. And, uh, you know, I spoke to uh, to Cooper last week uh, in person, and he said, you know, they had a road trip in, in Canada, right? They lost three in a row. It was sort of, un, you know, surprising for uncharacteristic for Tampa Bay, but here's a team that they believe they can do the push. And, and speaking to many teams across the league, they're all trying to do what Tampa Bay is creating, this this legacy they're creating. So to me, those moves for them has been trying to bolster that sort of the, some of those third line guys that they've lost before uh, with Goodrow and Coleman and Gord that have gone elsewhere. So you're bringing in a, a player like him. Yeah, they paid a price for him, but they're thinking now. They're thinking these playoffs is when they want to, uh, you know, go for a cup again. <laughs> well, we're going to finally next Sunday have a leaf a, wear, a rare home game on a Sunday against the Florida Panthers. They haven't played the Panthers, mm. and I'm just wondering: has this team passed the Leafs potentially? Like, I mean, Claude Giroux, as far as pickups go, and that's where he wanted to go. And now you look at the depth of the, their, their depth period. And you yes. go, how the hell did this happen? Because three years ago, it's the Leafs were going to supplant Boston and Tampa Bay. Whatever Florida was still all messed up, and all of a sudden, and, and good on it. So I, I don't care, but I, I like playing high-powered opponents. That's that's the best way to win. But yes. all of a sudden, this Atlantic Division, like like Florida, isn't just a team that's going to go and try to get one round. They're a team that's going for it. Absolutely. I mean, it's a kind of a good transition from Tampa Bay to Florida because we've seen, gra- seen some great, great <laughs> battles uh, between those two teams. But yeah, another another team that's just having, making sure that they're putting as many pieces together as they can and to be fierce and physical, right? They're going to be a tough team to play against. And I mean, Giroux, right? He made it clear that he had some choices to make and was really excited uh, to go to Florida. So I think that's a real credit to that team as well yeah. when players, you know, have some choices to make along the way. So that was clearly uh, a priority for him. And, and they will be a tough, a tough opponent uh, to face with, the, with, like you said, depth, right? Uh, for them both uh, up front and on D. Well, and the fact that they have a goalie who can get hot in Bobrovsky and if it's not working, you have a kid who you hope is the, the next one there. Like mm-hmm. The fact that you kind of have that tandem, and that was supposed to be the the plan here. The one thing I keep going to with with the Panthers, and mm-hmm. hey, it's a it's a fair question by me to ask, but they haven't really had the opportunity either. It, 
this Leafs team, they have not had a playoff win in forever. We have seen them have so many chances, knocking on the door, coming so close. The Panthers have not been through this all that many times. We always talk about how the playoffs are so tough and you have to learn to win. This is an untested group. And yes, there are guys who have been through it. Sherratt just made the run to the, the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup final. Claude Giroux, we know what he's done in this league. But as a group together, this is a team that really hasn't done it before. And I think that, that as much as that's a fair question to point at the Leafs, absolutely. I think sometimes because they're not out of focus, they're playing so well, you're going to think about them, but they're not always front of mind. It does feel like people are, for me anyways, kind of writing or under underlining that fact saying, are we, are, are we giving enough credence to the fact that they haven't really done it before? For, for, for Florida. Florida yeah. yeah. So for Florida, but yeah, I guess, but there's, you've, you've got to sort of as an organization, make those shifts and those yep. decisions to, to be where you want to be. And if you ask a lot of the players on Florida or coaches, I mean, they think a player like Barkov, Barkov doesn't even get enough recognition for being, you know, one of the, if, you know, at times one of the, or perhaps the best player in the league at times. So then you bring in Sherrod. I also think you have to give some, some attention to a guy like Sherrod, who was such a big part of a deep run in the playoffs for Montreal and obviously frustrations for them early in the season, but you bring in guys and if you put the pieces together and, and they believe that they do, yeah, experience is always nice, but now you've got the chance where they've had success. They believe they have the physicality, the toughness, and the depth to do well. Uh, it's great if you've done it before, but there's also going to be a first time for, for teams to, to get to that position and play really well. Well, Jen, we love you coming in here with us, uh, but I've been told you have TV responsibilities. So we thank you so much for stopping by. We love, love getting your insight, and it was nice to meet you as well. Great. Thanks so much, guys. <laughs> nice Jen. to chat with you. Uh, there she goes, uh, Jen Botterill. And again, we'll have the in-studio de- uh, guests coming to the desk all day long. Colby Armstrong up next, Kelly Rudy at 130. Be a pretty good guy to ask about goaltending, I would think. Gord, you know, the flurry yeah. trade is, uh, is in the move. Cap Kakinen on as well and uh yeah it's just uh, it's going to be a fun fun day uh it's going to be a fun day here uh keeping an eye on the trades but yeah kelly rudy as good a guy as eddie to uh, ask about goaltending because i love to opine on it i have plenty of thoughts about goaltending and much like everyone else who hasn't played the position i don't know what i'm talking about so it'd be nice to get kelly involved yeah and we could bring maybe kevin bx and elliot in to argue yeah, oh, just that'd be whatever. great. whatever, just, yeah, let them go, pick a topic. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> yeah, well, and Kelly also does the Calgary Flame games, right? That's right. So, you know, and uh, we talked yesterday to Ryan Leslie, who had was one of the first to break the trade. And of course, they know Giordano well uh, from the Calgary area, so we'll get him about that. And again, so Mark Andre, like, Minnesota was not in the, what, till a week ago, maybe. Right. Considered. It was about, you know, Colorado. And then their goaltenders just kill it. They're both killing it, you know, like, and then Washington was another one you thought. Then Edmonton can't, he probably didn't want to go there. I, I don't know whatever you thought about Toronto, Flurry, but I, I mean, they're just, they, they couldn't have made it work given where they focused, and I'm glad they focused where they focused with Giordano and Blackwell. Yeah, I think that was the move as well. Again, I, I have the same worries, concerns about goaltending that everybody does. Until Jack Campbell comes back and is healthy and looks something like the Jack Campbell we've seen, it's just it's going to be a thing in the in the back of your head. Uh, also, uh, some Leafs news that's uh, broken while we were talking to Jen there. Rasmus Sandin not at the ice at practice today. Uh, it's uh, believed to be a, it could potentially be a more serious injury, so we, do, we don't have any update on that. We know they have called up a couple of guys in Kivi Halme and uh, Joseph Dehusik. Uh he's, he's he's basically the new TJ Brennan, this uh, Dehusik guy. He's been point a game <laughs> in the AHL. We'll see how it goes. But uh, it'll be interesting to see because I mean, I've talked glowingly about him. I know you're you're pretty high on the player as well. I think the good news for the Leafs is that because you go out and get a guy like Giordano, it's not 
catastrophic to you that you don't have Sandine, but if he's out for a while, I think on one hand, it does allow you to figure out what the pairs are without him in the mix. But if this is a player who's going to miss any extended period of time, that's not good for the Leafs. Boy, and it really showed that Dermott doesn't fit either, huh? Yeah. Like they would have known yesterday before they made the trade about the potential seriousness of whatever Sandine's situation is. But, well, I mean, you got Aaron Eckblad in Florida. You got Jack Eichel in in Las Vegas. Jake Muzzin here. (laughs) You know, Jake Muzzin here, and there'll be others that'll be added to the list. And that that always is the problem. And, well, Vegas as well, not just Eichel, but a lot of injuries. But, again, the, the the great teams... The great teams win in spite of uh, injuries and in spite of questionable officiating, okay? <laughs> uh, thank you for reminding me about that last part because you know I am, I am quick on the trigger with, uh, with the, the criticisms uh, of the referees. I, I guess the good news for this too in, in terms of kind of looking at it as a specific player, and I know he's been placed on, on or well, not placed on waivers, but he's been sent down to the Marlies, is a guy like Timothy Lilligren. You know, if with Sandine out, it felt like he was, If I listed them all, all the left shot D the Leafs have. Obviously, Brody can play the right side. We know Sandine had experimented there. Travis Dermott was putting his hand up. I'll do it, whatever it'll allow me to stay here. That wasn't enough, but Lilligren is kind of that, he, he's the right shot. He doesn't have to play the other side. He can play his natural side, and with the injury to Sandine, I guess the other side of that, though, is, and we know they haven't played together that much lately, that was a really comfortable pair, those two. Not that they were not that they were completely dominating play, but they're just they're they know each other well. They've they've played together on the Marlies, they played together on the Leafs. So I, I'm curious to see if Lilligren's involved back in the mix, who who he'll get paired up with, because it felt very obvious that you'd have Sandine as his partner, and now that's not going to be the case. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean that's that's to, uh, unfortunate news and uh, a muzzin man. I, I when you have that, those many concussions as well, but. Again, that's you know part of the game, and that's why um, the priority about getting those two guys, Labushkin and Giordano. So they've, uh, it's not like they have to say we have a void. They they actually filled the void, and they filled them. Uh, maybe maybe the injuries impacted a little bit um, in 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 where you went, but that that was the target all along. Oh, 60 seconds left in the hour, but we've got a Leafs trade. Alex Pega going to the Nashville Predators for future considerations. Exciting, exciting moves. Uh, Obviously, we will continue to break down all of the trades here. We've got our first hour in the books. We're here with you right up until the deadline at three. Colby Armstrong's coming up next. Brent Gunning and Gord Stellick. You're listening to Leafs Nation on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.